had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. I'm in love with Could you. make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be true. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and it is part two of the sports romance miniseries that I started with uh, a few weeks ago with uh, Rocky. And, uh, you know, after Rocky comes Creed. Uh, so I'm really excited to talk about this movie, the 2015 film Creed starring Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson. And of course, Sylvester Stallone directed by Ryan Coogler. Uh, I think a modern classic in my opinion. Um, and uh, with me here is filmmaker and pro wrestling referee and my friend and fellow podcaster, uh, Ned Baker. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Hi, Manish. It's good to be back here. Hello, Romantics. Um, it's really good. I, I was saying briefly before we got started that, uh, yeah, I, I co-hosted the, the Roll Calling podcast with our mutual friend, Caroline Sita, for a few years. But we kind of wound that down into an indefinite slumber around holidays last year. Yeah. And so I haven't been in the podcasting space since then, and I've just been very excited to get back into it. So I was really delighted when you yeah. reached out to me. Um, Although I, yeah. sports movies for me, I, I think I may have a similar relationship where sports have not been a defining feature of my life. I did. Yeah. I listened to your Rocky episode. I really okay. enjoyed it. <laughs> um, so your, your intro about how sports are not really a, a, a key interest of yours um, yeah. well, in my case, there are some some critical exceptions, but but I do love a good sports movie, and this has been a fun little revisit. Yeah, I you know I I was actually just thinking like in the last couple of weeks like why I love sports movies and why I don't like sports, um, and I think it's because I feel like with sports I'm like I don't know these athletes. <laughs> personally mm-hmm. you know and like yes. i don't know their story i don't know their life i mean of course like you could read about it and stuff but like i feel like with like i get more invested in like the final game or the final match the final you know fight because like i've seen the characters grow and like i know their relationships to each other and, and to the sport and i don't really get that from professional sports and um also i mean i have a long history of sports in my childhood that is not fun to talk about um where i was yeah. basically like not forced to watch it but it was just like what we did on sundays especially mm. football which i i, I like, hate football um you know, i like football movies actually um i actually I was gonna ask, yeah do you have a do you have a football movie in the lineup for the series you don't have to say what it is um i mean i'll, 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 I'll announce it at the end but i i think Jerry Maguire is football, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that's coming up next. So you know, spoiler Excellent. for the end of the episode, but that's Very that's cool. the one. But I do like, and I couldn't really think of another like sports, like football romance movie, right? Um, but at least that one that was like as iconic as Jerry Maguire. I mean, I'm Nothing trying to do like 
one episode per sport, although like there's some overlap because there aren't that many sports, but um, yeah. So, and of course like Rocky and Creed are the same sport, but they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're a franchise. I think it's um, a nice companion piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I would feel bad doing Rocky and not Creed or doing Creed and not Rocky. Cause to me, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I just, and I like the, the, like, I just feel like movies are just more emotional to me than like watching some randos, you know, bump into each other. But yeah. I do feel, and I had a clarifying moment in college where I watched the last half hour of, I think, a NASCAR race, which is perhaps the most like alien of sports to a lot of my friends. I watched the last half hour of that with my NASCAR loving college roommate, housemate, and I had a, a, a great time. And then I kind of came to believe it is possible to enjoy any sport if you're watching it with a true fan who can give you the context. Yeah. But- I think a lot of real sports fans would say like, oh, well, Manish, you know, knowing the characters, knowing their lives, knowing their stories, that's what you get by following sports and reading the, the, I don't know, the sports section, et cetera. But like, it's just such a massive investment of time that those of us who are already trying to like watch all these movies and TV shows and yeah, yeah. edit podcasts and that kind of stuff, like, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a tough uh, uh, hump to get over. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I feel like watching, I, I don't mind watching like sports live because you know i like stadium food totally like the atmosphere and tenders and whatever beer ice cream like i mean Uh but then it's like i also don't need to go to a sports game to like eat that yeah (laughs) it it is a unique atmosphere right of like i like that but even then i'm kind of like you know by the fourth inning i'm like all right let's go we got like five more of these you know well i gotta ask have you ever been to a live pro wrestling event i have not um, and it's, actually, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, this isn't a wrestling movie, but I'd love to talk to you about your um, experience and kind of like what that's like. Because like, I'm kind of like, wait, you don't like sports, but that's like your job. It's like, what is but that? I work as a pro wrestling referee. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the thing about pro wrestling, not to blow up the business, is it is, it it has in common with sports that it involves true demonstrations of genuine athletic ability it is not it is partially being negotiated live by the bodies of the people in front of you and you can um cheer loudly like you can at a sporting event but it has in common with theater that um they are attempting to tell you a certain story and they are working together to tell you that story so i guess i would say it lives in a very interesting weird gray space between theater and sports um, and if the if the problem with if one of the problems with watching sports is a lack of investment because of a lack of familiarity with the sort of characters the the narrative if you will of it yeah in, in pro wrestling when we can we try to put that narrative to the front um, and make it a good narrative with a you know honestly like a lot of wrestling matches you've ever watched them like they follow a three act structure and that's totally intentional. yeah yeah I've heard that about wrestling yes so so it has some some overlaps and some key differences from sports like watching yeah. this movie i was reminded like man i just find boxing so scary um and you might think like well pro wrestling like how different can it be but man they just the, them hitting each other in the head like oh yeah yo it's uh it's it just makes me like tense up i've seen a little bit of boxing in my life i actually have a friend who's a 
highly successful uh, boxer. Her name is Olivia Curry. Um, and I've gone out to see her and it's, it's intense. It feels a little better similarly in the movie where you have this sense that maybe people were taking care of each other, but it's a, it's a brutal spectacle to witness. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I don't really understand the appeal. Like, I understand why not as a not as a story for a movie right as as like like if someone is like a diehard boxing fan i'm like what is emotionally wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) it just feels so like ancient roman you know and i'm like haven't we evolved past this (laughs) like don't we know enough about like the brain not to do (laughs) i do wonder what the future of these particularly honestly as we talked about football boxing and pro wrestling those seem to be the ones in which people are routinely damaging their own brains and i'm extremely protective of my own brain so yeah i I, yeah i'm like what little i have of it i want to protect it (laughs) yeah i second that um yeah I, i i do wonder that and yet like i suppose you could kind of argue i don't know how cynical this is but what appealed to people in ancient Rome is still uh, still kind of on the table, maybe like in the human makeup. I don't know. Yeah. Sidebar, have you seen this TikTok meme asking asking men like how often they think about the Roman Empire? Yeah, I've seen it. I don't is that like a thing? I don't think about the Roman Empire. I mean like I love the show Rome and I love like Cleopatra. You know, that was a whole phase in middle school, but like I don't know enough about it. To, I think in uh, is it I a think straight in, guy uh, thing? I think in this het man culture somehow it holds this uh, position of prominence. Anyway, I just think yeah. it's it's humorous that we we did arrive at the Roman Empire within yeah, a few minutes right. of starting the podcast. <laughs> so that's just been on my mind. It's just been in the air. Um, anyway, yeah. Well, in, to you know to kind of get back to well to kind of introduce the movie again. Um, what is your relationship slash history with the Rocky slash Creed franchise? Um, I mean, I think of the Rocky franchise as being one of those, and I think maybe you said something similar on the Rocky podcast, uh, uh, but one of those just like, it's always on, you're always watching mm-hmm. some of it on TV. I mean, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't pop on movies halfway through on TV anymore. I, just, I don't have cable, but, right. um, but I feel like a lot of it got into me. I had some friends who liked it. It was not a central film uh, in my family, like I don't think my dad, which is often a figure that <laughs> introduces Rocky to the family, yeah, I don't think he had any particular attachment to the film. And I, I will tell you that I have recently reassessed my relationship to the franchise because in rewatching Rocky for this and to go along with listening to your Rocky podcast, I discovered that I just do not think I've seen that movie before. I thought I had. I think I've seen Rocky too. Rocky yeah. Four. I definitely saw Rocky Balboa when it came out in theaters. Yeah. That was actually pretty solid. And then I saw Creed, but I hadn't seen Rocky. Um, and uh, not to you know rehash what you spent already a whole podcast talking about, but Rocky is so good and so yeah. <laughs> sweet. Um, I kind of put it in my head in the category of like a movie that mainly was like about like men hitting on other men. And that is, I mean, that's totally there, but just like the sort of tapestry of his, like just life in the neighborhood in Philadelphia, as well as how 
strong and distinctive and compelling and charming the romance between Rocky and Adrian is mm-hmm. um, was just such a sort of such a pleasant surprise. I mean, the vibes of the movie are just much nicer than I thought. Um, Rocky is just such a positive, non-confrontational guy. Uh, everybody except for like Polly seems like pretty decent to get along with, like even the loan shark. Um, and I just think like that, the 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 Rocky Adrian relationship was not what I expected, and it was very adorable and really distinctive and cool. Um, so that was really nice. And then going back to revisit Creed, I was then like, oh, maybe I misremember that one too. Maybe that is really like centrally. I think that I watched Creed on an airplane whatever season after it came out. So let's say, you know, like 2016 or 2017, I think I watched it on an airplane. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went back to it this time being like, maybe that's the same deal where that one is really like that, that uh, Bianca Adonis, the Bianca Donnie relationship is like really much more central than I thought. Mm -hmm. And then rewatching it for this podcast, I'd say that's actually not really the case. It's not that central. Um, I would say that Creed has more of a focus on the on the mentor, on the boxer trainer relationship, and of the you know boxer to self relationship. The, right. You know, it's you your your greatest opponent is yourself. Like there was more of a focus on that than I expected. So basically, I would say I had a passing familiarity with these films, but critically, maybe I had um, misshelved them a little bit in my mind. And so it was cool to revisit the both of them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, It's funny because I I think Rocky is just one of those movies that like, I feel like people conflate, or maybe I just did with Rocky Mm 2. Or like, like, even though I don't really remember Rocky, it's like, I don't remember watching Rocky 2. But I feel like everything I remember from watching Rocky is actually from Rocky 2. I guess, Mm -hmm. especially the ending, you know? Um, I was watching it being like, when does Mick die? And the answer is not in Rocky at all. That's yeah, like, right. I exactly. actually can't remember now if that's two or three, but yeah, I, I think it's three. I don't know. Sure. I don't. Anyway, they all they all kind of run together, especially the the sequels all kind of run together. But indeed, I, I think what I find so interesting about Creed is that it somehow is able to feel like a sequel to Rocky and a sequel to the whole franchise but also like it's kind of like that um uh like that like halloween 2018 thing where they're like yeah like this movie actually doesn't you know doesn't like acknowledge the sequels or i I had the same thought i was like this is like halloween 2018 yeah, um, I think with Superman Returns, the mm. Brendan Routh one, I think they also were like, yeah, this the continuity stops after like Superman 2 or something. If you want to go right from the beginning to like the seventh entry, go right ahead. Yeah, exactly. It's a smart way of handling your storytelling if you can pull it off. I, I agree. And I, I think especially because I don't really have a lot of love for the Rocky sequels, having watched mm-hmm. a few of them. Like, I am... Um, because they are or were on Netflix. And uh, so I, I watched Rocky with my parents. And then we're like, okay, like now let's just watch the sequel because at least it's like one extra night we don't have to like decide what to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. 
And I'm just like, wow, like, these movies just get progressively worse. And I'm like, Rocky Four, I know that's like the favorite, but I'm like, this movie is bad and annoying. I can't go to bat for Rocky Four. I remember enjoying yeah. it as a kid. When as a yeah. kid, particularly they're all blending together, you're just thinking like, yeah, it's the whole deal is like Rocky. He just gets more and more successful. He beats more and more guys. The opponents get tougher and tougher and he just beats them too. But now yeah. you go back and watch the first one. You see it as its distinctive piece of art on its own. And you're like, why would I want to see this guy become rich and famous when his yeah. like nobody, no money, no, no, like, you know, champions in the world status is like part of what makes that thing so successful. Yeah. But exactly. it does work exactly. here. You know, be- I think that the decision to then put him into the trainer role it's, you know, it's, it's a simple one that it's easy to take for granted now, but that, that was such a wise, instead, it, the decision to say, let's make a Creed movie instead of let's make a seventh Rocky movie yeah is a really savvy decision because you just, they do with this whole thing, like they play the hits, but they also bring in a lot of new elements in a cool way. And, you know, obviously like the character of Adonis Creed is a great character to follow and letting Rocky move into a different story function is really satisfying. And yet, of course, it it still totally plays as a continuation of Rocky's arc, like a really, a beautiful one, really. Um, But, uh, but yeah, that, that adjustment is a a smart one. Yeah, um, I agree. And like, I remember almost, I remember not only, I remember seeing him in the theater, I saw it, I'm pretty sure, like, I think I might have seen it like the second weekend it was out because I think the first weekend I was like, I just don't believe that like Rocky seven is as good as everyone's saying. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go opening weekend. And I'm pretty sure I went like the weekend after, maybe the weekend after that. And it was such a powerful experience. I remember exactly where I was sitting. It was like the fourth row because the theater was packed and I got my tickets late. And so the only seats available were in the front, uh-huh. and which I actually prefer because I hate seeing people's heads Sure. I like. I tend to like getting. I want the screen to kind of fill my vision. Exactly. I don't like seeing the. I don't like seeing heads or exit signs. So mm. um, I like to sit up front. Anisha, um, I like that. Which is always such a thing when I go see movies with people, as rare as that is, because like everyone wants to sit in the back, and I'm like, it's so the screen is so small, you know. Manish, when you're in the back. <laughs> we should. It's too bad we don't live in the same city. We could, uh, I know. We, we'd be kindred spirits on this thing. I'm like, yeah. Why do you want it to be far away? It's like, why can't you get your laptop again? Come on, make it huge. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, that sounds really like a, a good. But I, uh, and it was such a powerful experience, especially that like second act, you know, fight sequence that's all in one shot. And um, it's funny that you say that the romance feels less central now than it did when you first saw it, because I have the same experience in that Mm. to me, I I came out of this movie being like, wow, what a beautiful love story. Not even remembering that Rocky is like famous for its love story. I mean, like I knew that it was, but like, it wasn't that I just like was so moved by it. And like, wow, like Tessa Thompson, like she was such a, I mean, she still is like a huge star, but like she's such a rising star. Like I think this was like her first really? major role or something. And just coming away from it being like, wow, like that was like, you know, a totally different take on like the word, the worried girlfriend trope and like a totally different spin on like this kind of love story. And I, you know, when I watch it again, you know, later, including like when I watched for the podcast, I'm like, I don't really see that anymore. I feel like it's kind of, it's like not to its detriment or not in a bad way, but it does feel like 
the more standard kind of girlfriend, you know, character and more standard kind of romantic subplot in a movie like this. They um, add that, some interesting things. I mean, I yeah. think I, I just wonder if it's a, I mean, it's not as if we can say that the last eight years have been like a night and day, like watershed moment in time for women representation in film. Like, I don't know yeah. if I would stand behind that, but, no. but I do wonder if it was a standards thing that the fact that they give her some of these specific attributes, she has her own career, which she's very interested in. She has, you know, the, the, the hearing loss, which is a, an interesting character trait that, um, yeah. I really gravitated towards because I I I wear a hearing aid in one ear. I have similarly. I have like uh, I don't know whether I can say it's progressive. Like it it did progress between the only two times I've tested it, but it's still kind of a new thing for me. Um, but uh, but I was like, oh my god, you know, it's just like there are these layers to her character. She she also kind of like represents Philly, like like Philly street level cultural understanding, while he comes from like this LA background. So she has things that make that an interesting and vital character. Yeah. But it it may just be this back-to-back watching of like Rocky to Creed that, you know, like she does not rise to the level of story and thematic prominence that Adrian and the role of romance does in the first film. So it might just be like, us talking about this on a romance podcast watching those two films back to back that now it seems a little pale yeah. and then i just noticed like critically like i don't think bianca has any line after the final fight scene is done and you compare that to adrian rocky you know like yeah that, yeah that moment which i completely agree like made me misty when i watched it this time yeah <laughs> so you just see like at the end of the day, like the you know the, the the end of this movie, like it is not, you know, like yeah, it's a, it's about this relationship, but the the things they really want to drive home as they are wrapping up the movie are Adonis's relationship to himself, to the legacy of his father, and to his trainer Rocky, and she's probably like fourth after that. Yeah, um, I think what's interesting about you know the, about Creed is that. I don't think anything that I'm kind of realizing or noticing about like these subsequent watches is like a point against the movie because I actually, I think that Rocky and Creed are both as good as each other. Like I, I wouldn't say that Rocky is maybe by like a hair, but I really like Creed. And I, I think that it's such a powerful movie. And I think because it's so, it's as introspective as Rocky is, but it also had it also beefs up the mentor relationship, which I think for me felt like a more like weak spot for Rocky in that like Mick is kind of there, but he's not there because I feel like the focus is more on like Rocky's neighborhood and his romance and his friendship with Polly and and his oh, sort of like parasocial-ish relationship to Apollo Creed. Yeah. And I feel like in it's a great uh, way of putting it. I mean yeah. I it's it's parasocial but like also not because it's not like he's like worshiping but it's like they have this like relationship even though they don't really spend much time together yes i mean it's, um, i think it is it's totally parasocial in the sense of like creed is like he's on tv half of half yeah. or more of the time he appears in that movie and then to suddenly be like now he's here in person now we're fighting you know that, yeah that's, that's right. interesting yeah. um but i i find that and and i i find that like creed as a character is so 
interesting to me because he he grew up in he didn't I mean he had exposure to luxury and Adonis Creed yeah 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 Michael B Jordan yeah Mm -hmm. you know he grew up in like a mansion you know Mm -hmm. cared for and in in a different part of town and has the opportunity to like live a straight life in finance and stuff and and yet he has this like pull towards boxing like the one thing his you know mother or adopted mother doesn't want him to do and Mm -hmm. uh but it's like this like inherent thing which i find to be so i find that to be really compelling because you know i watch this movie and i'm like hey you could like make much more money and not risk yes damage that literally I, I just it's it's such a, a br- like brilliant little start to have it like he's literally just been promoted to a higher job in the finance firm where yeah. he works and yeah sitting on those lavish steps in that huge mansion like as you say he's like it's a great scene with Felicia Rashad who in my mind another misremembery is that I put her in more of this movie because I think she is impactful yeah. in her really she yeah. kind of is like you know one and a half real big scenes and then she's like in there for the final fight but um but i do think you're totally right that they do such an interesting thing is like they're like how can we make him an underdog again it's like playing the hits in some way and subverting them in other ways like he's an underdog because he comes from the opposite setting that you would expect a boxer from instead of it being like you know rocky in 1976 like you know, he has to work like a, you know, this dirty job just to like pay his bills, um, just to afford his, uh, his fish and turtle food. Uh, they make it, you know, he's coming up against, I forget exactly what Bianca's line is when she's like, she's like, no offense, but like, I just think usually boxers, like you ain't like, you're not street. Like, like he, she, he yeah. doesn't have any of these, like, um, like Oops. sort of like tough life bona fides. Yeah. And that, that comes up when he does his press conference with, uh, pretty Ricky at the end. And he's like, my father worked on the, except in a beautiful Liverpool accent. He's like, my father worked on a dock and you know, you came from the silver spoon. Um, Yeah. They find an interesting way to make him in that sense, like an underdog, like, like fighting against the probability that he would succeed or like would, would want to pursue this, this industry. And, and again, they do the same, they kind of continue to explore. And this is like now with, you know, an African-American director, they continue to explore the interesting tension that you already had in the original Rocky where like, it's the, it's, you know, the black athlete is the one who wears like the beautiful three-piece suits and is like talking about his like million dollar like tour. And yeah. uh, so they just continue to explore those interesting tensions here. And I think Kugler knows like what to, what to do with that and how to get interesting things out of it. So I think, you know, maybe I should just say like real fast, like I would agree. I think this is as good a movie as Rocky. Um, I think frankly, like I'm, I'm probably going to give them the same score when I log them on Letterboxd. Right. Um, I just, uh, I think I, you know, what it opened by saying that I think like the romance itself is less, uh, is less central here, but it's, it's not that it's weak. It's just that, um, they're interested in a lot of things and including other things. And I think those things are really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find these, the themes of um, like, yeah, I- identity and place and sort of this like reversal of the underdog concept is really interesting. And I think it's a really smart way to build your reboot. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, I feel like 2015 was kind of an interesting year for reboots because you had Star Wars, you had Mad Max, you had Creed, which wow. I still all think, that year, yeah, Crazy. and all within you know six, seven months of each other. And uh, I still think that those three movies are like the gold standard for how to do these kind of like legacy, legacy sequel reboots, you the know. requels, the requels, right? Yeah, because like they take. Like not that not that I know that much about Mad Max, but you know, having seen the first one, mm-hmm. it's like you take sort of like the bare bones ideas, and then you just find new ways to kind of like spin them. And and what Creed does, as you're saying, it's like you know he's the underdog because he doesn't have that like street credibility. He doesn't have that like scrappiness of someone that is like literally fighting to pay rent. Like he. He could literally just like quit this and send a resume and he'll get a job and yes. he'll be much richer than anyone he's fighting. Yes. Um, and at the same time, he also in this industry could at any time have said like, I'm Apollo Creed's son. And really yeah, that, and he would get really like the best trainers, the best equipment and everything. And but instead uh, he just says like, uh, I'm Adonis Johnson. Like if you have any drills for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I find the, like the parallel with, um, with Bianca really interesting is that like she's really fighting like in every sense of the word for her music career in terms of like getting noticed, getting gigs, and then also like her health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do find that um, I remember reading somewhere, or maybe I wrote this, <laughs> not to quote myself, but I, I can't <laughs> remember where I said that I'm like, they, the two of them have this parallel where like both of their careers are hurting their bodies. Mm-hmm. And that, like, the, I'm guessing the more time she spends in loud clubs and loud concert halls or wherever she is, the harder it is on her ears. Yeah. And, of course, like, the more time he spends in the ring, the harder it is on his body and his brain. So mm-hmm. um, I do find that parallel, especially as, like, he has the option to leave. And she, I mean, I I forgot what her job is, like, her day job, if she has one. But, um or if they mentioned it in here but like she doesn't have the option like i don't think you know um Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me oh god this is so silly but please did you ever watch um ugly betty the no no i i know from uh no i i haven't i didn't watch that so thanks to barbie i I was like really interested in america ferro and i was like you know i should watch the show that she was on and she won the emmy for it um, so I, 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 I watched it on Netflix and, um, uh, one of the storylines that she's dating this like billionaire who works at, you know, who's like in this like up, up and coming journalist program mm-hmm. and he starts to like, um, he starts to like be really like, like lazy and disinterested in like some project they're working on that determines like if they're going to pass the program or something. And, I'm like, yeah, it's because he's a billionaire. So, like, he doesn't need this like she does. You know, like, she comes from nothing in Queens. Like, her parents or her dad is, like, struggling to pay rent every month. And so, like, she has to do well, and he does it. And I just thought of that because, like, you know, Adonis Creed has the option to leave. And that he doesn't is a testament to his dedication. But it's also a signal of his privilege and his options that... I don't think even his opponents have. Mm-hmm. No, it, it does. And they're also yeah. not like trained for anything else either. Yeah. Yeah. You do get that. But it's, um, I mean, even her thing, 
it seems like that is her best shot at having the life that she has. Yeah. But as you say, it's hurting her. And, you know, nobody's going to think like, you would never think like, ah, making beats and singing, that's your last ditch option, right? Like even that requires, you have to know that you are, you're taking risk, you're putting stuff out there, just art making. Um, But she says, you know, that's when I, it's when I'm making music, that's when I really feel alive. And he gives her this smile that I think, you know, I would interpret as like recognition of him saying like, that's the same thing. And I'm just now thinking about how that parallels the whole, like, why do you fight scene from Rocky one? And he's like, well, you know, it's because I can't sing or dance, which is really fun that, you know, now we get this layer of, uh, we're having this conversation about, uh, Bianca who actually, she does sing and dance. Yeah. Um, She kind of grooving up there. And, but, uh, it just adds one more layer to that. Like, like, why do you do, you know, I think we understand like even that answer. These movies, actually, I think they leave you with the question rather than a clear answer. That question of, like, why do we do the things we do? Especially if, as you observe, like, they come at this great cost to us. Yeah. And I think it kind of offers a vision of, like, well, in most cases, like, it's because truly, like, you just feel it in your soul that that's, like, what you have to be doing. Yeah. It's just very romantic. It's a romantic idea. Yeah. And... I, I think the reason why, because I, 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 I remember this being like a general like theme around the conversation about this movie and that like the romance and like the, you know, Bianca as a character was so built up. And, and I, I think to some degree it's pretty warranted, although, you know, now it, does, now it seems like the movie has a lot of different themes, you know, but I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons is why, as you were saying a, lot, a little bit earlier, is that like she has this arc and she has this career and she has you know, something that I really was not struggling with, but a little iffy about with Ronky is that like Adrian kind of falls into this relationship, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's sort of like her Cinderella last ticket out from her horrible home life. And so she yeah. takes it. And I feel like with Bianca, it's she has a whole life outside of Rocky and she has a lot of makes a lot of decisions and you know, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they're arguing between with the door between them. Yes, and, um, yeah. you know, she takes her um, hearing aids out as, mm-hmm. as a way to, you know, distance herself from him and to, like, I think even, like, relieve herself of having to hear his pleas and bangs and whatever. Um, and yeah. I'm just, that to me feels like such a strong moment for her of taking, yeah. you know, being, take, like, like not for not making herself hear something that's hurting her and just yeah being able it, to retreat into herself and into her own strength yeah and it, it also i feel like taking out a thing that allows you to hear that's a form of like tying yourself to the mast kind of it's like it's like what is she hoping to avoid by yeah. like staying and listening to that i i think That's a very powerful scene. And even in that scene, she kind of offers the, she doesn't say like, this is hurting me too much. She says like, I've got my career and you've got yours. Maybe like I should focus on my thing and you should focus on your thing. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, I do think as you've, as, as we've sort of observed, like the movie sets up these careers as like, they are fundamental to these people. They're not just bill paying functions. They are fundamental to these people's identity, but in that moment, we also see the way in which attaching to a career can be a way to withdraw emotionally. It can be a way to say, um, 
I just don't have uh, the bandwidth to something that I, I guess I, I mean, I'm sure that some people genuinely look at their life and their options and they say, I'd actually genuinely rather prioritize what I've got going on in my work life than in yeah. some sort of dead end relationship. But it can be a way to avoid pain to say, you know what, I'm just, I just want to really focus on my career right now. And they just, they, they have that moment in there, but it, it, it really, it, it reads as honest in that, or it reads as an authentic uh, moment, even if there may be, I think yeah. a kind of a form of self-delusion that can be popular in that uh, grind set mindset. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, was this the first thing you had seen Tessa Thompson in? Ooh, that's a great question. It would certainly have been early. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm looking at her letterbox, and you know, I uh-huh. sorted it by earliest first, and she's been in like, you know, she she was in a lot of stuff before Creep, but nothing that really you know hits. Um, when a stranger have- calls, like. Uh, I I know I've seen the movie, but I do not remember her in that. And that was like twenty two thousand six, um, yeah. and I think Selma was technically the first movie I'd seen her in, but I don't really remember that much that either. So yeah, I think you know, Creed honestly, was like it's a surprise to me that she was in that. I don't. I think she was that. like, I feel like she was just say like, um, uh, I mean, her character's name was you know Diana Diana Nash. Is that a real person? I'm sure it was, but uh, yeah, she, yeah, she was a civil rights activist, so she played like a, a real person, and yeah. But I remember her. How ha- I feel like I can place her in like that era, that period clothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But I don't remember what she did or what she said in the movie. So yeah, but yeah, yeah, Creed feels like her first kind of big role, and like I think since then, you know, of course, her career has really popped off. Um, but do you enjoy her as an actress or? As a performer, I, d- I, d- I do enjoy her as an actor, as a performer. I do feel like there are some times when I, I don't know what I'm like. I feel like the Tessa Thompson, like shining through in, and I think I, I mean, not entirely a good way. Like I'm, I'm, uh, what was that? I can't even remember which of the Thors, but the most recent Thor, I was a little like, I don't know. This doesn't feel. Yeah. I, th- I think there are a few performances that don't, that feel a little more like affect than like, uh, then like super, super deep. Um, and I think I feel that way a little bit about her Westworld character as well. I only watched the first season of that. Um, oh yeah. Ugh. But Westworld. yeah, would a fan, not a fan, a fan I mean, for a while. I, and then it fell I off. watched season one and I liked it a lot. And then season two, I was like, I have absolutely no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. The point where I was like, you know, like with game of Thrones, like I also sometimes had trouble understanding what was happening because it's hard to tell characters apart. Um, and, uh, but I would read recasts and like, okay, that makes sense to me. Like I can, I can picture what I'm reading happening in the episode, but I would read recaps of Westworld season two. And I'm like, I can't even understand what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was, a, it was a struggle. I've heard anyway, that, like season two, like, I think I dropped off from the middle, but I've heard the season two, like really clicks into place. Like at the end and everything ties together. But I'm like, I don't even know if I have the brain capacity to know what that means, you yeah. know, to be able to like catch that at the end of season two. So I yeah. just, I found that I found that show to be so difficult because I felt like I was being like told how dumb I was constantly, mm. and not in a fun way. 
Well, I'm just going to leave it at season one. I'm just going to let it remain as this nice little. Uh, yeah, season like, one I think was terrific. I really liked yeah. it. But yeah, I'd say I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of of Tessa Thompson generally, and I liked. Uh, I, I I it's funny I cited the, the later Thor sequels, but I did like her kind of like the energy she brought to that franchise, and yeah. uh, I liked her in Sorry to Bother You, and I liked her in this spooky podcast, spooky narrative podcast called The Left Right Game. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm a fan of hers, but not a not a diehard fan. Um yeah, and I guess I'd say that's kind of true of Michael B. Jordan as well. Uh I'm I'm pretty squarely a fan. I think he's pretty I generally am pretty excited to see what he does. And I think he picks an interesting variety of projects uh to work on. Um yeah. But uh, so I'd say I like them both, although I'm, I I wouldn't say I uh, am like just soundly in the tank for either one of them. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I'm kind of there with you. I feel that I feel like they both had really strong moments in like 2015 to like 2018. Mm-hmm. And then somehow they just kind of dropped off. And I feel the mm-hmm. same way about Ryan Coogler, too, where I'm like, where like what like what are they working on what are they doing like i don't really i feel like there was some potential that wasn't quite realized i mean i really liked tessa thompson passages Mm. i thought that was a really great performance and of course i I loved her in thor ragnarok you know Mm -hmm. that i think that's that's the one that i think she brought the most of her energy into it and i'm like yes really fun yeah you can see how this woman gets catapulted to stardom because she's so effervescent Mm-hmm. And um, I'm kind of like I don't know. Like I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for her like Creed type movie. You know, like mm. I feel like Michael B. Jordan. You can point to Creed, and you're like, you know, whatever you say about him, here's this like the this is the role for him. That's a star making. This is yeah, a star making performance, star-making. and I'm still waiting for that from her. And I feel like she has the potential, but I don't. But I also feel like it's not fair because like I think the pandemic just kind of like knocked everyone's careers over. That's true. And it's like a lot of stuff got lost in between. And now there's a strike too. So um, Yeah, you got that. You got that. And we got to remember with both of these actors, like it's not as if really strong roles for people of color are Yeah, like, I mean, that's also true. Falling out of the, you know, they're, they're a little bit harder to come by without any doubt. Um, just looking at it, which is sort of having done our actor themed podcast, like any actor's color, we keep coming up to that being like, imagine a white person coming out of, you know, when we talked about Slumdog Millionaire, we're like, imagine yeah. someone else with this level of charisma coming out of a movie like this at this age and imagine what their career would be like then as opposed to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's going to be a factor here, but, um, but I do think this movie uses both of them well. And I think it shows Ryan Coogler extremely well. I think that this movie is so well directed. And if I could just say it before I forget it, whoever edited this movie, huge high fives to that person as well i just really like oh i gotta scroll past there are so many producers on this thing um i know i was just looking it up because i feel like it was someone that's like uh yeah so there's claude castello or castello claudia sorry she um okay i've not really seen anything that i recognize here so but i think the other person michael p Scheuer. Yeah, he does like the Quiet Place Part Two. I know yours and Caroline's favorite movie. Um, <laughs> I feel like I still remember that episode from your from your podcast. That was our only live episode. Yeah, that's sort of I remember it. Um, I was sitting 
spending an hour after the movie just going like, why did Killian Murphy, why was he in this movie at all? Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I think the editing of this movie is really quite terrific, as well as cinematography. Like I mentioned, the one take um, match, which I that, think is like really well choreographed and well. Uh, I, I well was shot. reading online that that is that there aren't. I kept being like, "Where's the? Where are the cheat cuts in there?" And they oh, claim yeah. they claim that there are none. That it is all one take, and that, to my mind. I can't, I won't say the best fight scene, but I think that's the best like combat sports scene I can think of in any film or my favorite. I, I can't think of a a, yeah. a, a, a a boxing or wrestling or MMA scene in any movie that I think is more thrilling than that Creed um, Spurino fight scene. Oh my God. It's just a, and just going over to the trainers and then pulling back in. I just, yeah, man, it's it's a it's it is a virtuous. It's like when you watch like old musicals and you're like, man, they haven't cut in three minutes. They just are doing this dance. It's the same thing there. You're just getting to you get to watch the dancers dance. Yeah, and the camera work is stunning. And uh, yeah, the cinematographer is um, Maurice Alberti. She is a uh, French cinematographer. Uh, she she shot movies like The Visit, which is like my favorite Eminem Shyamalan movie, mm. uh, The Wrestler, Velvet Goldmine, um, uh, Richard Linklater's Tape, which is a really interesting kind of chamber drama. So she's done a lot of really interesting movies, um, yeah. and uh, also does a lot of documentaries as well. So she she's kind of an amazing cinematographer, and I feel that. Um, she brings a lot of cool energy to this movie. And I, th- I think she, you know, I don't know anything about camera, so like, whatever, don't. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she kind of brings the same energy that like the original Rocky has. And like, I feel like that's like this movie has that same feel to it. I feel like Philadelphia feels like a real character, you know? more so than it does in like the sequels because I feel like I don't think they're even in Philadelphia for that much, but like um, it feels like they had this, like there's like energy to this movie that I think the original Rocky has. And I find that to be, and I feel like she really captures the, like the pulsing, the moving, the like chaos and not just in like the fight scenes, but just like, I mean, even just the way that, you know, Adonis Creed and Bianca are just like when they're at that like diner together or that restaurant, you know, it's just like, there's me just feels like very like real and feels like grounded scenes, in like a real city. That's a great scene. And there are other scenes like it. And you definitely get it in um, some of the, there's multiple training montages as well as like the, the final fight scene. Is kind of a montage, like it's like you know they'll yeah. cut to the fight and like there's moments. This is like you know a, a cinematography and editing thing where like you just see somebody take a huge hit and then it just cuts to one of the corner men like putting a huge glob of Vaseline on his hand and then like blood hits the mat. It's just like there really are um, the way they shoot those and like the way that final fight scene has so much like close 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 up. Um, there's a lot of these things that feel really. Uh, kind of documentary style almost like like yeah you just have really just jumped into a cheesesteak shop in the middle of philadelphia yeah and it's just like there's the people in line that are in line you know it's like and that's good like um uh, direct that's that's you get that's just good use of your extras good use of your locations but you go for a documentary feel there and yet 
there are other parts where the camera, you know, that that um, long steady cam fight is not documentary style. It feels like sort of balletically graceful in a way where, I mean, it, it's it's documentary style in that it has this authentic feel. But um, yeah, but you also recognize like, no, this is this is a a meticulously planned and executed camera shot. Um, so they know when to like pivot back and forth. But uh, the energy energy is totally right. And 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 I felt like. To again cite something you mentioned in your previous discussion of Rocky with Elise, uh, like those old movies, man, there's a grittiness to them. Before grittiness was an aesthetic to be strived for, to be like manufactured, yeah. it was just an authentic grit from being like a you know a one million dollar budget movie yeah. shot on location in the seventies. Like it had that grit, and I was like, so how is how is this? shiny digital 2015 movie with and the budget was not so astronomically like 40, different 40 I mean, 35 million yeah it's it's 35 to 40 million exactly and and the original budget if you um if you factor it for inflation like has the like a million seven a million dollars in 76 has a like four and a half million spending power now so so it's 10 times the budget but it's not like 50 times the budget um yeah but uh but still it's like it's a completely different thing and like you know stallone's a star now or he's a name at least michael b jordan's a name um and it's like it's now the movies now today's they just have this like gloss on them so i was like is this gonna have any of that gritty energy and it's fight to prove to me that it could do that to me feels like it mirror it um mirrors adonis's own journey of like proving that like he has the like kid from the streets like grit to to take this fight on and i do think you see this arc like by the time he's like running through the streets with the the dirt bike kids which i think is such an awesome slice of i guess i don't know if that's like east coast specific i just know my cousin who lived in baltimore used to like roll around with those like dirt bike kids in, in the streets of baltimore yeah. um but I think uh, it's east coast thing yeah but like him running with them it's become like okay he's finally like he's adopted philadelphia he's adopted like that streets energy he's adopted the kind of things that made rocky you know a, a community guy in the first movie now he has the grit to like do the fight and i do feel that the the movie itself like it's those energetic documentary style like shots and cuts that um you know, it's it's easy early on. I was like, oh, what they're gonna show me an expositional shot of a of a garbage truck and that's supposed to like substitute in for grit. But like right. I actually think you watch the whole movie, like it it has that that personality to it. And that's even though I agree, like Ryan Coogler's whole filmography, if I look at it on Letterboxd, is like, oh uh, yeah, there's not as many like hits as I thought, but the hits that he has are they're hits. And this is one of them. I think he he does a really good job creating that atmosphere here. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting because like he goes from like Fruitvale Station, which is like, you know, micro budget, you know, indie that is very powerful. I mean, it's a very powerful movie, very sad movie. Yeah. Uh, and then Creed, which is like studio movie. It's obviously franchise, but it has like such personality to it. It's so it's small scale. It's, you know, I think I think it's a movie that could have stand on its own if it didn't have the 
franchise to kind of back it up. Like they just like made yeah. a new story, right? Yeah. It just it changed have, the names. Yeah. Wouldn't um, have splashed as big, but it would still be, I think, a really yeah. good and watchable and well liked movie. His next movie is Black Panther, which is, you know, I think was still one of the best superhero movies ever and one of the best totally. movies, of course. Yeah. But then it's like Wakanda Forever, which is like good, but also just feels so like, I don't know, I feel so like a blip. You know? That movie was a really disappointing step down in my in my opinion. Like I I liked it, but then I also felt that it looked awful, mm, totally. even by Marvel standards. It, <laughs> especially the underwater scenes where I'm like, look, I don't have the best eyesight, but I don't think like you know taking my glasses on and off, being like I still don't know what I'm seeing here. Yeah, it um, was tough. It was tough. But and then just like, by the by the end of that movie, I was like, end end. I think that like. I think a lot of it worked for me probably more so than it did for you, but it also just was like, there's no way to top Black Panther and then to make what kind of forever all about Black Panther like that, like by tying it so much to the first one, it's like, you're only inviting more comparison and then you, you don't even mm. have the star. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I don't really fault any director for making a bad Marvel movie because I'm sure it's impossible to make good ones. I, I, mean, yeah, I like I, a lot of them. I feel you. And, but it's like, you know, to go from like Thor Ragnarok to Thor Love and Thunder to go from like, you know, Ant-Man to Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantumania. It's like, it's you can see the progression. I give um, all of them the benefit of the doubt of what, yeah, what, yeah. what went on. Avengers to Avengers 2, to me, it's like, just a million hands got on that thing and yeah, yeah it was a mess. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm kind of like, again, I'm kind of like, well, what's, what is he working on? Is he just like stuck in the Marvel machine forever? You know, is he going to make something unique? Is he going to go back to like a more mid budget type movie? Like that's kind of what I'm interested in. And I also want to talk to you if you've seen uh, Creed 2 or Creed 3. I didn't see Creed 2. Um, I know that it's uh, it's an Ivan Drago movie, so it's kind of like bringing us back to Creed Four, which I think again yeah. we mentioned. Like uh, I'm like I'm mildly interested in that, but not hugely. Um, but it feels like it's taking now the the Creed mini franchise in a direction that's less interesting. I saw Creed Three just because it timed out when I wanted to see a movie with a friend, and yeah. I was really unimpressed with it. Um, yeah, I was not a fan of Creed Three. I I, I like. I respect, you know, I'm I'm excited that I think that was Michael B. Jordan's directing debut. Yeah. Um, the boxing scenes I recall were pretty good. I just think the story really didn't do anything for me. And honestly, like, I don't know how long ago that movie came out, but it was not that long ago, and so much of it has just like evaporated from my mind. I think it came out like six months ago. Yeah, I forgot it. I also since that time, like, I at the time I was even like. I was in the corner for Jonathan Majors and, you know, things have come to light about him since then that have really. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to get into that. Good. He seems like a terrible person and I yeah, hope let's, he gets right. his justice, but, yeah, right. we're, we're um, but, but did you I, see either of those movies? I saw Creed two in theaters and I saw it, it, it. I believe it was my first movie in a Dolby theater. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Dolby Atmos Auditorium. It was either that or Mary Poppins Returns, but I feel like Mary Poppins Returns was closer to Christmas. It must have been Creed Mm 2. And that was like such an experience. And like, I mean, like the theater was like vibrating, you know? 
Yeah. It was wonderful. And, and so I liked Creed 2. Um, I liked Creed 3 as well. I think mainly for the direction by Michael B. Jordan. So I, he really impressed me. And I'm like, I want to see him direct more outside of mm-hmm. this franchise. But I feel that like Creed 2 and Creed 3 are going in the same directions that Rocky 2 through 6 go through, which is like, it, just, it feels like I am keep getting like the lore is getting regurgitated to me you know yeah. I'm like i don't care about ivan drago's kid why can't he just fight like let's say like with creed 3 i was a little impressed that like it wasn't someone related to the franchise it was just some like other character mm-hmm. like okay yeah. i like that that that's interesting to me because like i don't i feel like you know it's like the more you go into like the lore the more i'm like i feel alienated from this because like i'm not a rocky stand so mm-hmm. It's like I feel like you're not making a movie for like people, but except you're making a movie for like rocky people. The, the general hook of being like we're gonna make a new character that actually just expands the Adonis Creed lore yeah. was a good idea. I just don't feel like it landed, and the kind of like yeah, yeah, sure. twists in it. Just and like, like I watched Creed three on like Amazon Prime, you know, like on like a random yeah. like Thursday or whatever. So like I don't even know if I was like paying attention as much as I probably should have. So. Totally. Um, maybe that's why I was so much more like involved in the visuals because I, I I look up and I'm like, okay, this is kind of a cool sequence. Yeah. Um, also, like fight scenes, I just kind of I just kind of glaze over, so I don't think I would yeah. even know the difference. <laughs> they have to be like in this movie. I think yeah. really exceptionally done to stand out. It's one of those things, like a training montage. It's like yeah. there is kind of a formula for these things, and if you just play the formula, even if you do the formula competently, it's a little bit like um, it's a little glazed over. Uh, but if you if you really stand out, and I was thinking about how they like, how do you make a great training montage in this? And it's like really good editing really good acting in this case kind of like that improvisational kind of naturalistic almost documentary feeling yeah and good music and then you like you you play some of the hits you throw in some new things and uh yeah so kind of speaking of the training i feel like we've talked a little bit about rocky kind of coming back as the trainer but do you have any um what's your like process with his like uh his cancer diagnosis and I love it. it I, I find it incredibly um, moving and, and stirring personally to see uh, to see Stallone just doing this. And again, this might be you know a consequence of me watching the movies back to back. But like, I just think Stallone is a good he's a good actor for for yeah. for someone who has done a lot of action movies that may not have called upon his full acting faculties, like. He is good. He like his understated line delivery. He just has so many lines in this that I just really enjoy. And he's like, uh, you know, oh, we used to do that one handed, but I, I didn't want to say nothing, you know, and like his little bit when he's looking at the door. But um, the scene where he finds out he has cancer and how he plays that, I'm just like, yeah, I think he does a a totally terrific job. Um, he he gets a little choked up when he's like, if I could buy like one more day with my wife. I was like, oh, Rocky, oh, buddy. Um, I just have great fondness for the character. And because I just think like the deal with Rocky is like he's basically just a super good dude. Um, He has a little bit of like pridefulness in this about the, but, you know, they totally, they they tell the story at least clearly, at least to me that he's not actually prideful. He's like, he's afraid. He's afraid of the unknown, which like, everybody in this is just dealing with like their fears same. of the unknown 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I um, think Rocky is um, really working for me in this movie. I think that what they do with that character and, and, and the ways in which they make him unglamorous and natural. Yeah. They um, just like sort of like walk him back from the sequels. And mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry. I feel like I've said this so many times on this episode and on the last one where I'm just like, I don't like the sequels and I just like want to do Rocky and Creed and that's it. That's fine. Um, apologies, like, apologies to whatever. I know. I was yeah. going to say, like, I'm sorry to all the Rocky people out there that like love Rocky Four or whatever. But um, I, I just, I find that like the humbleness in Rocky and then as in, like Rocky the movie and then as he kind of gets back to that, like he's a little bit world weary. He's heartbroken. He's a little bit like scared and in and, and, and Creed, which I like because I feel like that is kind of like what I want to see from Rocky. Yeah. Um, as as a character, because I feel like that that's Sylvester Stallone's like, as you're saying, like that's kind of his sweet spot as a performer. Um, yeah. And why he's so well suited for like this kind of material. Yeah. Yeah, and it just makes their relationship really. It's just really nice and. Yeah, I mean, come on, like, what, like when he's just like, I want to see if I get up the steps. Like, when to the one last time, like, that's that's such a tearjerker. Like, yeah. that's that's working on me. I'm like, come on, buddy, you got it. Yeah, old uh, old me and my fiance as well. Like, um, just like old kind of sad men, like just trying. That's kind of an emotional <laughs> little sweet spot. It just kind of boing like plucks for us. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I think I think that Stallone is terrific in this movie and terrifically used and um and yeah i think it's a really great like in terms of those legacy like those requels like mm-hmm. i don't think you know start like and i i like a lot of things in the new star wars franchise but i don't think they managed to do anything this good with any of their three legacy stars that they brought back um personally i don't think that Luke, Leia, or Han has anything that really I enjoy quite as much as what you're getting with uh, with Rocky here. Um, and that seems to be like, I mean, I think we're in this we're in this era right now. I didn't see the new Ghostbusters movie, but I feel like they're doing the same thing. Like, I just think like that's the that's this this kind of thing is totally in right now. Um, in for the last decade, and it's funny that they were. Uh, I took a note when when they're like the. They say, like, we're going to tear up the town. And then it's Bianca and Adonis, like, asleep on the couch. And Rocky is watching Skyfall. And I was like, it's funny that they're watching James Bond Skyfall. Like, it's a kind of like an old TV movie. Because to me, it's the exact same era of this. Of, yeah. Like, <laughs> legacy sequel commenting on the decline and obsolescence of the 20th century action star. But then I was like, maybe I'm overthinking it. Um, but anyway, like, I do think that this is one of the strongest examples of how to... Is the uh, Star Trek movies kind of did that a little bit? They're like got old Spock back, but we also have hot young new Spock. Yeah, like, this is kind of like Hollywood pay dirt right now, I think. And this is one of the most like satisfying. I just find it like you know to, to say nothing of Hollywood formulas. Like I think it's a really emotionally satisfying movie. I think what's interesting about Creed is that it feels. Like it is a requel, but it feels like it was before the era where like these properties were being mined left and right, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like a part of that tradition, but also it feels very separate from it because Mm -hmm. 
you know, I don't, I wish I had done some research on like the screenwriter Aaron Covington and Ryan Coogler of like how they pitched this. Like, was it the thing where they were like, okay, we can probably get a movie made at a good budget if it's Rocky franchise and like we have an idea for it or if they actually have a genuine love for the property. And it's probably a little bit of a mixture of like, you know, Hollywood being Hollywood, but then also they're like, we love the franchise anyway. So yeah, um, it's probably a little bit of both, but I really wonder because it feels this movie feels like it was made out of love, you know, yeah. and not out of like, hey, let's, you know, milk an old property for another hundred million dollars or whatever. And like I even feel like that's not even working. I feel like we're at the end of that era now because like movies that I thought would be like guaranteed hits or like flopping all year, like Indiana Jones or Fast and Furious. Um totally. and the Flash. So unless kind of like I'm excited to oh, see like what, yeah. And yeah, I'm just excited to see like what is coming next because I think we're at the tail end of of a period. And I think Rocky Rocky and Mad Max and The Force Awakens, I think we're, you know, at the at the precipice of that. Um mm-hmm. I, I will push back. I, I do think that I like what Luke Skywalker is like in The Last Jedi and that like he's jaded. Mm-hmm. And he's a little bit ornery and he's prickly. I like that a lot, but, you know. I, I like that take. I like that take on Luke. I'm not one of the people who says, like, oh, Luke would never. I like that aspect of Last Jedi. Yeah. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I do like those aspects of yeah. it. Yeah. But I think in terms of, and maybe it's just a recency bias, but um, but I don't feel that I felt an emotional impact. But then again, you know, the original Star Wars is emotionally very different than Rocky. It's kind of. It's a little bit apples and oranges here. Yeah, um, yeah, right, right. So maybe I maybe I'm wrong to even compare them. In the- no, but I mean it makes sense though because like as we're having these like old characters come back, it's hard not to compare them to Rocky coming back in Creed, you know, mm-hmm. or Furiosas and like you know, mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. Especially as got another random connection. I watched The Witch today, the Nicole Kidman movie, because um, oh. you know, I'm really into a Nora Ephron phase right now. Yeah, and um, you're uh, you're turning that, up the old uh, the the unloved Nora Ephron properties. I've seen that on like, yeah. Twitter lately. I mean, I feel like I can't just keep watching. You've got mail over and over again, you know, because <laughs> um, like Not you've got mail eventually. You know, when Hammer and Sally, I can't, I can't keep watching those over and over again. Huh. Um, but it's funny because they, they touch upon like, you know, the idea of like rebooting Bewitched and they're like, there's a part where they're like, oh, he's just like mining old property for nostalgia. And I'm like, whoa, this is like 20 years ago. <laughs> like, I had <laughs> no idea it. that this was something that like, like, yeah, Nora Ephron, she she knew where we were headed. It was already clearly defined enough that you could make a joke out of it. And the joke right. would land. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like in the middle of the like Star Wars, you know, prequels. So maybe it was in the air and I was too young to notice. But it still feels it was like shocking to me because I feel like we've gotten even worse. <laughs> yeah, we definitely I was going to say, like, she didn't she she could not have suspected how yeah how far it was gonna go yeah. in terms of just being like although i feel like she, star, i feel, are you I feel like julie and julia predicted the swifty era <laughs> like yeah somehow she did i don't know that's uh, my i've, I've not seen fun. it but we've got to get oh my god oh my god you gotta watch julie and julia i'm like the biggest julie and julia fan i think it's like i think it's like a late period masterpiece for her mm. um anyway but sorry that's a tangent but like 
it's just funny how like a lot of these things are just like still in the air even though like you know Creed is almost 10 years old Bewitched is almost 20 years old like it's been a long time but it feels like we're having I mean today there was another rehash of the Scorsese versus Marvel debate on oh, Twitter please. and I'm like the least interesting debate to me <laughs> of all time uh back to back to Creed um what what are some other like favorite moments in the movie or i I kind of want to talk about the ending which is also kind of a a little bit of rehash of the rocky ending um yeah well uh, what uh when do you uh i'm curious when you consider the the ending is starting here um but uh yeah like i'm glancing through my notes like real fast like what are some of the things i love um I love Wood Harris, who appears very briefly as a little Duke Evers. I like that they beefed his parts up in the... Is that his name? The guy who's like in the wire? Yeah. And the place the yeah, yeah. I think he's like so watchable to me. I, I think it was smart to keep him keep him important. Um, I love every time they like freeze and put somebody's like stats up on the screen. Yeah. Um, I like it's a, like it's a Western. Oh, I'm obsessed with it. From ever since I watched... Uh, um romeo plus juliet yeah and yeah it's like oh my god it's tibble, it's i feel like that's the first time i saw that too i mean we're the same yeah. age pro- practically so mm-hmm. yeah 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 um yeah i'm trying to think i mean just like the the montage is great the music in this is so great um i think all the like supporting characters like the the like other trainer like pete Sperino, i think is really good it just like seems to like go like a legit philadelphia dude um but uh yeah, I also like that um that uh Bianca is not like, oh, I can't handle the boxing. She just like she they they give her like other issues to deal with where she's like, Oh, you didn't say you had hands like that. Um Yeah. Yeah. Um but uh and I and I love um I love every emotional Stallone scene. Um but but so so when you say that the ending feels like a, a little bit of like a re a rehash or a retread, or I'm not sure exactly what word you used of Rocky, like uh which which part of the ending are you talk about? Like in the boxing match or when they go Yeah, to the- I just feel like it's they do the thing where it's like you know, they like there's like it's like a tie and then the other guy wins mm-hmm. and they're it's like a moral victory versus little victory, which I, yes. I feel like it emotionally feels different, but I'm like on paper, I'm like, it's like, I don't know how you end a first, you know, Rocky franchise movie without this kind of ending for the match. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I was thinking of the movies all blending together. I was like, the ones that I've seen most recently are now Rocky Creed and Creed three. And that like every single one of those has like the champion was supposed to fight another comparable champion, but something kind of crazy happened, <laughs> got injured. So now he's going to pull somebody like way up from the bottom. And I'm like, how many times can this happen in the same, like, does this happen often in real life that someone's like, I'm actually going to fight someone way less famous and established than I, because I've just seen it happen in like three movies in a row. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, having like, you set that up and then you have, the underdog just go go 12 rounds or 15 rounds or whatever it is with the guy. So even though he loses because he gets outboxed by the guy that they said was the best, he turns out to be the best, like, as you say, the moral victory. Um, but maybe that's just one of the play the hits things. Like, it is yeah. satisfying. 
you know, it is really like, Ooh, yeah, go Creed. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I, um, I think it does, it does work for this movie. And I agree that it represents something a little bit differently because I think Rocky just kind of wanted to like prove that he was like worth a damn. And then as soon as it was over, he like, he just like, I want Adrian. Like, I don't, I'm not here thinking about the the battle and, and the next battle. Like I, yeah, I did it. And yeah. I just want to go back to my, I want to go back to the things in life that make me feel, feel good. And this one, this one was like, it really felt about like proving to yourself, like, Donnie proving to himself that he like is worthy. Like he'd been like just sort of agonizing about whether even like where the title of being a creed. And then like, he finally yeah. puts it on and is like, am I up to it? Um, like, I don't know. I think one of the most electrifying parts of the final battle sequence is when he gets like seriously, like knocked to the mat and pretty Ricky is like celebrating a knockout and it's slowly zooming in on Michael B. Jordan. And it's playing back up like with this like very good sound design of mostly like dead air and like echoey quiet playing back images from the movie. And then he, with this like kind of like almost machine, like roar is like, (laughs) and like gets back up off the mat. Um, Incredibly thrilling moment that I had to go back and like watch again. Uh, And I, I, um, I don't know if I could say exactly like what that means, like what it is. It wasn't as simple as like, oh, they showed him, they showed Rocky fighting the cancer. So he's fighting the opponent. That's it. You know, it's really kind of more like it does what I think great montages can do, which is just kind of give you this like soup of feelings and be like somewhere in there was the the thing that did it. Um but but yeah, I don't like what's 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 your sort of interpretation of like what his final battle is or like represents? Uh, hmm. Maybe that's too esoteric a question. Even I don't know. No, it's it's not. I just, I'm just not sure I have an answer for it. Um, for me, I feel like it's you know you've said before a few times something i liked is that like this movie is about the relationship between creed and himself and this idea that he has to like constantly prove himself in a way that i don't think rocky had to in the first movie you know i I don't think rocky was ever fighting creed to prove himself in any way i think it was just he has to do it for you know financial and and just to like yeah, you know. he turns down the fight, and they're like, "Come on, man, it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars." Yeah, like <laughs> he's like, "All right, I'll do it." He, it's less of a, it's not the existential part of that first fight is that Creed realized, or is that Rocky realizing that he can't win against Creed because Creed is just too talented and too powerful. But mm-hmm. his real victory would be to not get knocked out early. Right. And I feel mm-hmm. like with Creed in like Adonis Creed, I feel like his he's constantly trying to prove himself that, you know, as you're saying, he has that like that grit and that cred street cred. 
by by not winning but also kind of winning the night as they say in the movie it's like he doesn't he is able to like prove it to himself in a way and that you know the way that this i think the like the sound design effect that you talked about to me feels like a lot of the like pressures of the out, outside the arena and sort of like the external things of like you're too rich you're too privileged you're too comfortable kind of just melt away and he's able just to focus on his fight did that is that answer mm-hmm. your question yeah it does it yeah. does yeah because it's you say, yeah you're right that it's like the whole stadium kind of like goes away yeah and maybe it like I do think that there still is the sort of community minded spirit that is part of the Rocky, at least the original Rocky movie where, yeah, it's, he's holding on to, you know, he sees Rocky, he sees Bianca, he sees his mom, he sees his younger self, like when he was in like juvie. Juvie, Um, And, uh, and it's kind of like with all of those things and not worrying about everything else out in the world, he kind of finds it in himself. And I yeah. do still think it, it leaves you with, you know, some questions instead, instead of just being like, here's the answer to everything. It leaves you with a, a feeling and some questions, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I do think like it's, it might be a little hard for me to say like exactly what the overall arc of the movie is. Yeah. Yeah. But it all feels of a piece in a way that feels very emotionally authentic. Like there's a lot of things going on in your life. They don't feel like they comment on each other a little bit. And uh, you go through your battles, and uh, yeah, sometimes you. I think beat up one a, thing that yeah. I really like about sports movie, as you're, I feel like I'm to kind of piggyback on that thought is that there's level of, like satisfaction to sports movies, um, and it's a satisfaction I don't really get from like other action movies or science fiction movies. So just like. I think because those are more like fantastical, but I feel like with sports movies, it always feels like they're real characters. Always feels like you might you might not be able to pinpoint an arc, but at least you know there was one, you know, mm-hmm. and that it feels very satisfying. Yeah, and it feels yeah. like very cathartic. Like I mean, I feel like Rocky, the first movie, is extremely cathartic, I and mean, after you watch the movie, you feel like you went fifteen rounds yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you feel like that, like love pulsing from the screen, from the screen. But in Creed, I feel like the um, the satisfaction I feel is just like finally being able to show yourself that you can accomplish, you know, what you set out to do. Yeah, and what and that, you like, felt you should be able to do, even if everyone around you was like, "What do you?" Yeah, doing? exactly. Yeah, um, and to me, that's really really quite powerful yeah um ned thank you so much for being on this podcast it's Um, been a pleasure i really enjoy talking to you and i hope that you um get back to podcasting at some point in the future and kind of whatever whatever you want to do i'm interested in hearing it so yeah i um, don't know how it fits in my life but i have a great (laughs) love for it and this has reminded me that i really enjoy doing it so i'm sure that i i'm sure that it will have some role in my future i hope so too um i yeah please tell listeners you know whatever you want to share where they can find you what you're working on kind of just what what's going on 
Well, I, I uh, as mentioned, I am a pro wrestling referee. There's loads to talk about there. And uh, so um, I'd say look for me on Twitter or Instagram, uh, on X or Instagram, um, at Ned, 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 Ned. That's N-E-D four times in a row. Um, and you can sort of see like what I'm working on there. I post about my, my film work there as well. Uh, you can go look at my YouTube. I tend to get like, uh, you know, 12 views on things. So <laughs> my 13th view, jump on there. But I think social media wise, where I would most love to have more friends and community members is on Letterboxd, uh, which we've referred to multiple times. I would love to follow Anish on there. I love to follow all my friends. Um, I'm also at Ned, 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 Ned on Letterboxd. So go on there and add to your own diary and post your own reviews and I'll like those and you'll like mine and we'll learn about movies and we'll have a grand old time. I feel like Letterboxd is like gonna become like the place to go. I hope so. I mean, Um, I think a thing that's of value about it is it it serves something for myself. Like I love to keep my own diary and be able to look back at it. But I also really enjoy, I think it's a nice form of social that doesn't lead to endless doom scrolling but just to see just by a virtue of like you know people can't watch like 14 movies in a day like you can like tweet 30 times in a row but uh yeah <laughs> but i can see that uh manish just watched something called appointment with death which looks like it's probably an agatha christie my mom and i went to go see um hunting in venice together mm-hmm. and so we've been well she's in making me find every single Poirot adaptation that we can find that we don't have to pay for. Mm. Um, so we watched that. We watched the old Death in the Nile, the old Murder on the Orient Express. We watched um, Ten Little Indians, which is not a Poirot movie, but it is Agatha Christie. So. It's adjacent. Yeah, I've been um, too. So we've been kind of in, in that phase. I, we're, I'm trying to get her to watch the new Death in the Nile with me because I'm just curious to watch it again. Yeah. Um, to see if it's as bad. I mean, I actually kind of liked it, but maybe uh, it's controversial. But um, but yeah, so I love Letterboxd. I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I'm always about to change my top four in October. (gasps) Yeah, every four months I change it. So we're we're getting to the... Every four months? Yeah. You've got... uh... Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, get on on Letterboxd, people. Get in the conversation. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I refuse to call it X. <laughs> at Vertigate314. <laughs> Sounds um, as if I yeah. talked over your handle there. But no, it's okay. No, no one cares. Everyone knows where they can find me. Manish is wearing a Vertigo shirt right now. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. I am. True to form. My, um, my a birthday, a birthday gift for my sister. Oh, that's um, awesome. It's a cool shirt. I, I love it. It makes me feel like I am helping drive, teenage drivers learn how to drive. <laughs> it's like the color of those cones. It's luminescent orange. Yeah, that's sure. yeah, great. Um, uh, also, follow the podcast at Pod to Be You. Uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Um, yeah, in uh, October, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing Jerry Maguire with my friend Joe from the Real Spoilers podcast. So that's very exciting. Love Jerry Maguire. Um, I'm sure we'll get into Tom Cruise and. You know what the, the nineties were like for all. him, yeah, and yeah. you know my girl Renee. So, mm. uh, very excited about that. Um, and yeah, Ned, thanks again, and uh, hope to um, talk to you soon. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Renee. Till next time.